welcome to the Krakenbacks podcast where resilience meets reality. In today's heart-stopping episode, we delve into a story that's almost too harrowing to believe. Imagine, just for a moment, receiving that one phone call that shatters your world. That is exactly what happened to Mason Sawyer in 2021. A catastrophic multi-car accident claimed the lives of his entire world, his cherished wife, two precious children, his brother, and his nephew. How does one even begin to navigate the aftermath of such an unthinkable tragedy? Mason's journey is not just about loss. It's about finding a way to move forward when everything seems lost. His story is one of unimaginable pain, but also of incredible resilience and hope. Today, Mason shares with us how his life-altering event reshaped his perspective on life and how his harrowing experience can light a path for others struggling to find their way after their own personal tragedies. Brace yourselves for an episode that will not only move you, but might just change the way you view the strength of the human spirit. All right, all right, all right. You know, Mason Sawyer, you know, it's so nice to actually put a face to a, a, a name. As we know, as we're talking off air, our beautiful, loving friend, Garrett L. George, is whenever he sends a connection to me, I get nervous. And we were, and it's like, here's a name. You got to talk to him. Here's a phone number. And good luck. And the fact that they've always worked out, it just shows you what kind of guy that man is, that he, he deals with his heart. And, um, and anybody that asks, he asked me to talk to you, I always will. But so it's nice to actually put a face to an email and thank you for so much for showing up, man. No, yeah. thanks, for, thanks for having me. And Garrett George is the man. And yeah, he does the same thing to me, man. You got to have this guy on. He's, He's always thinking about someone other than himself. Always. So. And and I think that's what this yeah. show is all about. Think what you just said, thinking about others other than yourself. And yeah. um, so thank you for coming on. And you know what? Just to connect the audience with who you are. Uh, some may have known known your name, others will not. Um, and I think the people that don't know your name are the people that have to hear about your name. Um, because those are the people that have faced tragedy that are in their cave, in their, in their dark room, in their basement or in their garage or whatever. And in the past few years, there are a lot of people out there that have faced tragedy, whether it's death or loss of job or whatever, their identity. And they don't know how to cope. And you face immense personal tragedy to the point where I even told my, my partner to shave his arm hairs because they were going to get tired of standing up. Um, <laughs> you've, 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 and you've lost your, I've never heard of that one oh, before. He, he, yeah. My poor partner is always, his arms are always, hairs are always standing up and, and all that. So um, to get back on track, you lost basically your entire family in 2021. And I'm sorry that I know you, you talk about this, but even though if it's hard, how did this experience, and can you tell us about the story and how this experience influenced your perspective on life as it is now? Yeah. Um, I think, I think, uh, how much time do we got? We got can time. Start from the start, yeah. <laughs> um, I love, I loved basketball growing up. That was like my thing. 
And I was a pretty good basketball player. I got a couple offers to play college ball. In high school, though, I met this girl. And, like, I, I thought girls were, like, the enemy to basketball, like a distraction. <laughs> like, don't, like, stay away from the girls in high school. Like, I wanted to play college basketball. But I couldn't help it. I met this girl named Courtney, and she was just, like, the coolest person. And we dated and went to every school dance together. And our senior year, we were voted by our peers to – I think we won the award most likely to marry your high school sweetheart which we wow. did, ended up getting married. So, I, I mean, I met Courtney when I was 15. And just like <laughs> the most down-to-earth, let me just give you a quick example. So I save up all my money to take Courtney out for her 16th birthday. I'm a 16-year-old kid, so all my money, I have like a 140 bucks probably. It's all I have. But, like, I want to go pick up Courtney and be like, hey, we can go anywhere you want for your birthday, like anywhere. So like steak, dinner, seafood, like whatever. I got it covered. And she's like, oh, how about like KFC? We'll go to KFC. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, no, we can go anywhere. She's like, no, they have good $5 bowls there. Like, let's go to KFC. <laughs> like for her birthday, she wanted to play kickball with the family. That's just who she was. She's just like, I don't know. We just got along so good. So uh, my senior year in high school, um, I get a scholarship. Me and Courtney go to Southern Utah. So I'm playing college basketball. Courtney and I are married. Courtney's doing the nursing program at Utah Tech where I played. And then we started to have kids. Like I, I always wanted to be a dad. Like that was my goal in life is to be a good dad and I think it's because I was the youngest of five kids growing up and had all these nieces and nephews running around I'm not sure but I just always wanted to be a dad so we started having kids and my senior year of college basketball we had our first son Riggins and then I finished up playing college basketball and then I go back up north and I get the head coaching job at my old high school so now I'm coaching high school basketball. Courtney's a nurse in our hometown where we went to high school. We have two more kids. We have another boy named Blue and a daughter named Frankie. I know I have weird names for my kids. It's like a Utah thing. Leave me alone. I don't know. What I'm <laughs> so we have three kids, and dude, like, I don't, I don't really know how I got the perspective. I think it was from my dad because I remember being a little kid and. I wanted to go, I'd shoot hoops every night. And my dad would rebound for me. And I remember one night, I don't even know why we're on the topic, but my dad like looked at me and he said, Mace, I think I'm the richest guy in the world because I have your mom and I have you and I have the kids. He's like, I think I'm the richest, luckiest guy in the world. We were like middle income, like just whatever. He was a therapist. Like we were getting by. But, like, that's just kind of, like, that's the perspective I had as a young child. And so now I have Courtney since high school and these three kids. Like, it was everything I wanted. And, and I remember telling my dad before the car accident, like, just before the car accident, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I think I'm the happiest, richest guy in the world. 
And and so that that's just kind of how it was. And, like, we weren't perfect. Like, I wasn't a perfect husband or father, but it was pretty damn close, man. Like, we were – it was going pretty good. And then one day I get a phone call. So I'm, I'm a head coach at my old high school, and I really love the job. Going good. But I get a phone call back. This phone call comes from St. George, Southern Utah, where I played college basketball. And these guys, they started a like a basketball complex with all these courts, and they wanted to hire a basketball operations guy to put AAU basketball teams together and train players and coach. They wanted me to run it. Like it was like my dream job, basically. So I'm like, hell yeah, like let's go. So we pack up our kids and me and Courtney, we go back to St. George and we start this new life. And then the first basketball tournament I have with this new job lands on the same weekend as our family reunion in Northern Utah, which is about four or five hours away from where we live. And we always go to the family reunions every summer, but I told my family, like, we can't make it this year. I just took this new job the first basketball tournament, like I can't miss the first basketball tournament. Like I need to be there. Sorry. And there wasn't an issue. Like my family understood and they're like, yeah, like no worries. And then that weekend, so the weekend of that tournament rolls around and my wife, Courtney, um, she comes up to me and she decides like, Hey, like you're going to be coaching all weekend. I think I'm just going to take the kids to the family reunion. They'll love it. I'll be back Sunday. It'll be great. I'm like, yeah, sounds good. And then I told my wife, like, you should call my brother race. Cause my brother race, we live in the same town. He's obviously going to the same family reunion. So I told my wife, like, you should call my brother and see if you guys can drive together or carpool together, like something. She said, like, yeah, good idea. So she calls race and he kind of has the same thing going on. Race's wife, Keisha, can't go, and two of their kids can't go just because of football and work and things. But my brother's youngest son, Ryder, could go. So my brother, Race, and my nephew, Ryder, they get in the car and go to the family reunion with my family. And then that Sunday, coming back from that family reunion, my brother was driving, and they're about halfway probably two hours left till they were home and a big sandstorm kicked up out of nowhere and engulfs the highway and it causes a 22 car pile up and it kills eight people. And five of those eight people were my family. So Mm. my wife was killed my son Riggins was killed. My daughter Frankie was killed. My brother Race was killed. My nephew Ryder was killed. <clears throat> and my son Blue survived somehow. He was pulled out of the car by first responders. Life flighted to the hospital. I had to drive four hours to get there. I had to drive through the car accident to get there. And Blue... He had a neck brace on, but it was just like to be safe. Um, but he was fine. Like he had, he had a fractured hand and some deep cuts on his head. But we spent one night in the hospital together and um, left the next day. And that was, yeah, that was July twenty fifth, two thousand twenty one. 
still feels like yesterday, and it feels like it was 30 years ago at the same time. Thanks for sharing. Um, I, uh, pardon me for a minute. I'm just going to catch my breath here, but, um, moving forward, what have you done for yourself since then? You know, people experience trauma all the time and at different levels and different abilities to handle what, what, whatever they can. What have you done that has, uh, helped you get through? Yeah, I love, uh, I think helping me, I I just want to like clarify because a lot of people talk to me like, what have you done to get through it? How'd you overcome it? And it's like, dude, like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I haven't overcome anything. Like it hurts so bad, but so I don't think, I don't think that, I'm ever going to get over it, but you, you just have to learn to move with it. And I think I, I did not do good the first year, just kind of ran from it and ignored it the best I could. But after that, um, helping other people, mostly my son, just being a good dad to him. Um, and then after blue, just, uh, just try to help people. Yeah. Yeah. I understand you started a kind of a mentoring program or a program uh, that uh, seems to help. Uh, you want to describe yeah, I, that? Uh, it's funny because people message me like, do you do like one-on-one coaching? Like what, what am I doing? Like I'm a mess. You don't want coaching for me. <laughs> I don't know what's yeah. going on. But no, I, what I start, I started a podcast like you guys well, I went to therapy, and my therapist is like, because I'm just not doing good. I want to die, but I can't die because my son lived, so I have to be here for blue. So I'm like yeah. in this weird limbo of I, I want to die, but I can't die, and it's not good. <laughs> and so I go to my therapist and just kind of tell him everything, and, and he says, Mace, this car accident's not about you, and it's not about your son, Blue. And I was very upset by that at first. Um, just I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's the only thing on my mind. Like, what are you talking about? Um, he said, Mason, if you wanted to lay in bed and drink yourself to death or kill yourself, I don't think anyone would blame you. And then he said, but Mace, like, you have a huge opportunity here. Like, and he said, Mason, someone tomorrow is going to lose a spouse or a brother or a sister or a daughter or a son. And you can help all of them if you want. And um, I guess from that, like, I think he's right. Um, and when he told me it was an opportunity, I just hated it. I hated it so bad. But he's right. Like, it is an opportunity. So like, what, what am I going to do about it? And I'm trying to choose to help other people. And some days I get mad and don't do a great job of that, but I, I'm just trying to open up and be vulnerable and let guys know that you can like express your pain and talk about it. And you're not alone. 
Don't kill yourself. <laughs> I, I think that's that's something that yeah that yeah. I, I wanted to talk about because you know tragedy strikes a, a lot of humans and especially men. A lot of us when we lose a spouse or we lose a, a family member, we want to go in that dark hole and never come out, or we want to go into deep into that bottle and never sober up. Yeah. And yeah. and the yeah. one thing that I think drives a lot of people crazy. And correct me if I'm wrong, but as humans, we want to help people like you and we send them motivational quotes. We send them emails. We say, I'm praying for them or I'm thinking of you. And we send uh, a lot of texts. We don't want to do calls because we don't want to talk to the person. So it's easier just to send an email or a text and, and, or we turn to a, a motivational quote, yet it's so hard. And sometimes our intention to lift those up doesn't really help. What from a person that's going through it and that's not, not gone through it, but is going through it. How do you find that spark to push through the grief to put the bottle down or to climb out of that basement? I think like for me, just, just talking about like my drinking issues and drug issues that I went through trying to numb it and run away from it. Like I never viewed like drinking wasn't the problem. Doing drugs wasn't the problem was my family died and how I was coping with, with it was numbing it. And so I think uh, it's so hard. It's just alcohol is so hard, man. But so it, it sounds easy. It's much harder, but you got to try to substitute something with that. So because the problem's not going away. My family's still going to die. Like if I choose not to drink, they're still going to be dead. So I'm still going to have to do something with this pain. Instead of trying to numb it, I've just tried to embrace it and accept it and talk about it and be vulnerable and open up. And then literally it's just the only thing I have to say other than that is everyone's already said it. And it, it sounds simple, but it is true. Like, exercise and like that stuff matters like movement like i just didn't move after the car accident i just didn't i couldn't move i just didn't move for so long like just moving go on a walk get the sun on your like all those weird small things help me with the alcohol thing too but it's not going away that alcohol can postpone it and numb it, but it's just going to come right back and it's probably going to come back a little worse and a little stronger than it was before and until you start facing it. How do you want to face it? You could do art. You could talk about it. You could do poetry. You could journal. I did a podcast. You could do a whole number of things. But I just think finding an outlet for that pain and misery and, and try to find a healthy outlet to help other people is really all you can do. But it's still, it's still going to hurt, I think. Mason. Tell us about the podcast, how you had that idea to come up with it, the name of it, the purpose, yeah. and, and, and what you want your listeners to take away from each episode. So Dr. Terry and, I, Terry and I were talking about it a little bit before we started recording, but just the idea of you just, you just need one or two listeners like that's all you need to make <laughs> no like seriously like yeah and that was my so okay sorry my brain sucks 
Probably not good. I'm like all over the place. Okay, here we go. So I leave that therapy session with my therapist. And he's like, you need to help people. So I'm like, okay, how do I help people? Like, what do I do? Like, do I pick up garbage on the side? Like, what do I do? And so I'm very confused. And so I'm like, well, when I went to college, I got a degree in psychology. And my dad, he's been a therapist his whole life. Like, maybe I can be a grief counselor therapist. Sounds perfect. But then I'm like, I, there's no way I can do a master's program right now. Like some day, some weeks I can't get out of bed three days a week. Like I, I just can't do it. Like not ready. I'm like, okay, how do I help people? And I'm like, well, what's helped me? Well, talking about it, going to therapy's helped me. So I'm going to keep talking about it. And then maybe I can help other people talk about their pain because it's really helping me. So if I can show other people that talking about it might help them, maybe I can help them. So how do you do that? Well, podcast, perfect idea. So I, that was kind of how the podcast was born. And then like, so I, I bought this cheap little podcast set from Amazon and I just went down to my basement and I got my buddy, Sam, who was my co-host at the time. And we just started recording and I told Sam, I'm like, I don't care if anyone listens or if no one listens, I just need to talk. And it's, it's grown. It's just, it's grown a lot and a lot of people have connected to it and it's been a cool experience. Can you tell us the name, tell us the name of it? Cause it's behind your, your left shoulder, but. Oh yeah. I did write it. <laughs> it was like, it was me and we just live in a little two bed apartment, me and blue. And so I'm trying to set up for this podcast. I'm like, where do I like set up? I don't, I'm like, blue's, this is blue's room. This is the best setup. This is his whiteboard. But anyway, yeah, life's 10% what happens to you and 90% what you're going to do about it. So I'm trying to come up with a name for the podcast and not doing a good job. Like nothing really sounds good. And then my dad texts me one day and he's like, I love this quote. I think it relates to us and what we're going through. And he sends me the quote and the quote's, Life's 10% what happens to you and 90% what you're going to do about it. And I love it so much because that's kind of the phase I was in was finally accepting that, yeah, they're dead because you're just in so much shock. So I'm fine. Like a year's come and I'm, it's settling in a little bit more like, yeah, this is, they're actually dead and this is my life now. And so I, I'm kind of on the verge of like, okay, like what am I going to do with the rest of my life for blue? Like, what are we going to do here? And it was it was just good timing, I think, and so I decided to name the podcast the Ten Ninety Podcast from that quote. That's great. Yeah. Have you? Um, what do you usually do on the podcast? What do you talk about? What do you? What kind of well, guests do you have? First couple episodes, like I told my story. My buddy Sam told his story, and then after that, we just started asking people to come on and man, like you think my story's bad. I, I just, I flew to Kansas city to do a podcast with this lady and her family was in a her, uh, tornado and it killed husband, her mom, two of her kids. <laughs> and it's just like, and it's weird because I felt so alone. That was one of the things I struggled with. I just feel, I felt like an alien, like no one even, 
no one can even relate to me. And then like, oh, like not only do people relate, but it's worse for some people. And I, I did a podcast, I flew to Australia, did a podcast with this guy named Craig, who we're good buddies with. Um, he was driving home with wife and two kids, car accident. Um, he crawled out of the car, was trying to get back in to get his kids out. Kid, the car lit on fire and family burned in the, like just the worst dude. So not even sure if you want to listen to the 1090 podcast, but so like we, we, we invite guests on and then because the episodes are so heavy, we will have lighter episodes. So some episodes we just answer a quick, we just answer questions or we'll talk about a book or a movie just to kind of like give our listeners a break. But yeah. Yeah. You know, you touched on something that's pretty, pretty, pretty relevant that a lot of people are going through these tragedies. They isolate themselves, put themselves in a cave because they think they're the only ones that are going through it. And a lot of people can't get over that, that loss of a loved one. And so they just bury themselves in grief. And I think talking about it is huge because you don't realize that there, there are others and some there's others that, I don't think there's anything worse. I mean, there's nothing worse than a loved one dying, but um, there's people who have suffered just the same things. And how do you find the strength to get up? And what is, you know, we talk about in business and in anything, your why. So what, what have you found your why maybe before the accident was being the best basketball coach you could possibly, what's your why now? And it, well, it's blue. Hmm. Like I would, He's what got me out of bed. And if it wasn't for Blue, I don't I don't know if I'd still be here, to be honest with you. But I, maybe that's unfair to say. I, I don't know. But, like, Blue, I mean, just think about Blue. Blue went from middle child, daughter, his little sister Frankie chasing him around. He's chasing his older brother around. Loving mother, loving dad and then he goes from that to only child to a dad that's not doing good like that and so i mean he's a he just yeah i just love that kid more than anything and i how old is he now he's six yeah six he turned and the accident happened july 25th and his birthday is July 29th. So like four days later, we had to do his birthday. Mm. And that kid, man, that kid's my hero. He's like, he's yeah. doing so good and he's a happy kid. And that's really helped me. And I, I think all things considered, we're doing good, man. I just met this girl. I just got this girlfriend, Sammy, that is going really good and starting to pick, pick myself up a little bit, but back to the grief though, like, you guys, you guys seen the movie Castaway? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember when he's like leaving the island, and yeah. he looks, he looks back and he's kind of like sad. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of how grief is. Like it sucks, but you kind of get it's the hell you know. And yeah, you kind of get comfortable with it. Like yeah, like I'll just drink and be miserable and fuck everyone and. I, I kind of miss that attitude. Like it was easy going. It was just like, yeah, dude, it's, it's hard to 
it's hard to date again. It's hard to put your heart back out there. Like, yeah. it's so bad again. Like to me, that's that's honoring my loved ones. That's that's like that's the best thing you can do is live a noble life and give it another go, even though it went fucking terrible and you didn't deserve it the first time. Like you gotta go again. And it's not about climbing Mount Everest or running a mile in under three minutes or like whatever it is. It's yeah, like can I go on a date again? Can I get a steady job and make like that to me anyway, that's like being a hero, at least in my mind. Yeah. Like that's just how I see it. But grief's hard because it cripples you, but then it just becomes like it just takes over, man. And it's hard to leave it. It it's hard to try again, knowing you might fail. It's hard to walk. It's kind of nice that feeling of people feeling bad for you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like that's kind of nice sometimes. It's hard to like not want, like, no, like I got this. Like I can go to work today. I can pick up my kid from school. To me, I, I think that's the best thing I can do. And, and I think a lot, I get commended a lot for public speaking and, podcasting but to me like getting blue to school on time and going to parent teacher conference like those are the big wins for me you know instead of a podcast name or a quote you know that your your life 10 percent of what happens and nine percent what you do about let's focus on the 90 percent what you're doing about because isn't that the same before the asset is that the same thing you did to be a great basketball player I mean, and as a coach, isn't, isn't sports a great life lesson because there's a million people play basketball, but how many people actually make it to a college level? So it's not the 10% that happens on the court. It's the 9% of how you handle your adversities and how you get up. And when you're sore, when you're hurt and how you put in the extra time and practice, how is your, your years of a athlete prepared you for this grief and tragedy in life? And do you ever do you ever put those two together and and kind of use those relevances and those analogies to get you through sometime? Yeah, really good question, and at hundred percent, yeah. And like, focus on what you can control. My high school basketball coach told us that every day, and move on to the next play. Like you turn it over. Okay. Like it's done now. Can't change it. Like, what are we going to, like, we got to keep going. (laughs) Like that mindset I I think is huge. I really, really do. And, and I'm not the best basketball player ever, but like I'm a five ten white kid from Utah. Like to play college basketball is pretty damn good. Like I do think my work ethic, I do think, and it's so funny that you asked me that. Because this morning, me and my girlfriend were having a conversation about a podcast she listened to about this neuroscientist who said they recently discovered a new part of the brain that shows, like, if you can do things, this part of your brain will activate. Like, when you're doing things you don't want to do, that's the best way to increase, like, those are the people who live the longest. Those are athletes are people who put themselves through things they don't like to do. That's what this neuroscientist said. And that's what, yeah, that's what basketball taught me. I didn't want to wake up at 5 a.m. and run and then do weights. I don't want to do that, but I wanted to play college basketball. I don't want to wake up 
and face the reality that my wife and kids are dead and my brother's dead and my nephew's dead. I don't want to do that. But every day I have to do that. And I do think my experience with sports and the coaches I had, and then also the wife I had, and because she she was just the best. But all those things I learned from them, I do think absolutely it's helped me get through this for sure, 100%. I think sports are great. I love sports. Your background in psychology, Mason, how much of a role does that play using principles that you learned there and then your coaching style? Okay, can we can I just ask you something? Sorry, yeah. like this is okay. I don't I don't really believe in fate. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think I don't think things had had to happen. Like I don't think my family had to die in a car accident. But it happened, so what are we gonna do about it? But mm-hmm. like, okay. Because these are both okay, let me just here we go. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I just want your thoughts on this. I don't believe in, but I maybe fate is okay. Just listen to my let's listen. <laughs> okay, Mason Sawyer. I was born youngest of five kids. My dad was a therapist. My mom grew up on a farm. My mom has the craziest work ethic. It's like I remember being a kid when I heard my mom coming home. I'm like, oh, I gotta act like I'm doing something. Like I need to do, or she's gonna put me to work. Like. So that's kind of my childhood. Youngest of five kids. My older one of my older brothers was a really good football player. My other older brother was a state championship wrestler. They kicked the shit out of me growing up. I meet Courtney in high school. Also, I was raised in the LDS church, the Mormon church. I'm not a part of it at all anymore, not for me. But I, I grew up in that church. So when I'm 19. I give up my dream. I give up my, cause I get a division one scholarship to Boise state. That was my dream to play D one basketball. I give it up to go serve my mission. Cause that's what you do in the Mormon church and serve mission. So Courtney, like, listen how weird this is. Courtney and I, for two years, we can't, no phone calls, no texts, no emails, nothing, just letters. It's the only way we can communicate for two years. So Courtney and I learned to have this relationship away from each other for two years. We learned to communicate through these letters. She writes me three letters a week for two years. She wrote me three letters a week for two years. I just think about that. Like, right. Like we're separated. We like, but we're still in love. Like it's weird. I get back from that mission. Well, actually I get sent home from that mission. I go back out on the mission. That was another part. But anyway, I get back from that mission. I go play college basketball and what this back to your question, Dr. Spencer is I get a a degree in psychology. Okay. So that's kind of, and then, Oh, and real quick as a missionary for the LDS church, learn to be a really good public speaker. When I was a high school teacher, public speaking every day, and then I get a degree in psychology. Okay. So like, what do you like? You guys are doctors. I don't know what up, but it says doctors. <laughs> you guys are no, like if you if you type that into like an AI generator and said, "What is this guy going to do?" It would probably be motivational speaker. Like, wouldn't it? Like, is that not weird to you guys? Yeah. It's yeah. like some moments, like again, like I don't believe in the fate. I 
or maybe I don't know, but I it gets weird sometimes when I look back at my life and like what was it it does kind of feel like I was prep for this in a way i do have thoughts like that and it really freaks me out because i don't know how to make any sense of it well maybe instead of saying you don't believe in the faith maybe just say instead of putting that negative thought process in your brain just let your brain go maybe maybe you believe more than you think you just don't understand it yet and belief and understanding may be different different thoughts and i think i I can't i'm not i can't say my daughter Frankie was supposed to die. I just can't. No. I just can't do that, man. No. no. But you were you were obviously groomed. Yeah. To be I in a position like of this, you know. Well, I guess you know whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, you know. Yeah. So, what do you say to your athletes that uh, that think they got, you know the the shit hitting the fan and then they look at you and realize, oops, maybe my life ain't so bad. Cause I mean, there are times where I've had, I, I take care Dr. Terry and I were chiropractors and we, we specialize in sports and we see a lot of athletes. Um, and I've had a couple and Dr. Terry's had a couple that have contemplated suicide and actually discuss the possibility of committing suicide you know, what would you, if you were confronted with a situation like that, what would you say? Well, I think before the accident, I had a much different perspective of coaching than I do post accident. But again, I think, well, if we're just talking about sports and maybe we can get to the suicide thing later, but like, if I'm just talking about sports, what, what makes basketball great is it's this ultimate yin and yang of, like you have individual goals, but you got to put the team first. And that is so hard for teenage kids. And it's especially hard for teenage kids when they have mom and dad telling them they're the next Steph Curry and your coach just doesn't get it. That's not, I don't know why we're doing that, but like, no, that's one of the things I really love about teaching these young players is like, dude, I know this is an individual one-on-one skills training session, but this isn't actually about you at all. This is about your team. And if you want to be a good basketball player, it's not about how good of a crossover you can do. It's about how well you can help. Like, can you help your team win? That's what, like, that's what we need to figure out for you because you're not going to score 30 points a game, but maybe you can get eight rebounds and guard the other guy's best defender. Maybe you can do that. Like find like, just real life lessons. Cause that's how life is. Like not everyone's going to be the president. Not everyone's going to be the big movie star. Not, not everyone's going to be Paul Simon. There's going to be some Garfunkels. Some people are Garfunkels <laughs> and just like, just being real with these kids like that. This is reality, bud. Um, so I don't know. I just, the, the team and, and that's a big part of the 1090 message. And that's a big thing that helped save my life was, thinking about other people and that's no joke like that when i do my public speaking i have many slides that talk about we is greater than me because when i wake up and i think about me it doesn't go good i just sit in misery but if i can wake up I'm like oh i get to be on crack and backs podcast today and maybe help some people or i get to do a public speaking thing today or whatever it is life seems like i can do this like i can help people yeah. and I'm 
the suicide thing, I just want to be really mm-hmm. careful because I, I never came close to, I didn't like have a gun in my hand or take pill. I never came close to taking my own life. Like mm-hmm. ne- not really because of blue. Like I just, I can never leave blue here. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I don't, I don't really know what it's like for some of these people that are really close. I, I just don't want to act like I know everything because it bugs me when people do that to me. But the suicide thing, this is one thing that's helped me is, and this might sound weird to you guys, but it just makes sense to me is I, no one's getting out of here alive. Like I'm going to die. I'm going to die one day and it's going to be great. Cause I'm going to see my family again, maybe. And if heaven's not real, then at least I'm dead and the pain's over. Like that sounds pretty good, <laughs> but like, you're going to die. So you might as well do the best you can with what you got until you die. Like you are going to get that gift eventually. So just do as much as you can until that day comes. That's, and maybe that's just so simplified and that's just, that's just what helped me. If I'm being honest, that was kind of my mind. No, that's fine. Actually, Mason, looking ahead in, you know, what you see in your future, let's get, you know, a moment of, of uh, what you're, what you're imagining will happen with you in your future. Uh, some of your aspirations, you know, what you imagine happening with uh, you and blue and you and, and your audience. Tell us about it. I think I want, let, let tell me, let's just have a real discussion, right? Cause I'd love mm-hmm. And you got, you can't, you guys just have to promise me. You can't just pump rainbows in my ass. Like you got to tell me what you honestly think. Sound good. Uh, would, it, would that be like, I'm telling you that five ten, you were probably a center, not a point guard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a big <laughs> but like, I think I, I want, I, uh, I want to be a grief counselor. I think that's what I want to do. Um, so I'm actually thinking about maybe stepping away from the public speaking and the podcasting, at least for a little bit. I don't know if I can do a master's program and all this at the same time. And because my first obligation is to blue. So, so I'm actually thinking about finally going down that road because that was, I, I, I think I, the social media thing, man, I just, it's not for me. And I honestly think like being a therapist for like a one person. And if I could really like have an impact on their life, I do think that might be doing more good than a cool Instagram video that 10,000 people might see, but it's not really, they just scroll on. It's not really doing anything. So I, I, Grief is on my mind all the time and I want to help people deal with it. And so I want to be a grief counselor. So to answer your question, that's kind of what's in my thoughts right now is I'm looking about looking at going back to school and getting a master's degree. What's fun for you? What what jazzes you? Yeah, that's a good question. It's been dark. Let's lighten it up a bit. Good question. Yeah, I love, so me and Blue are always hanging out. We love basketball, football. I bought 
because uh, I live in St. George where we have desert all around us. And so I bought Blue a little dirt bike. So he's been dirt biking. And uh, I don't know. You guys know what one wheeling oh, yeah. is? I have one. I one wheel every day. That's been very therapeutic for me. So we do a lot of one wheeling together and just try to move. And yeah, dude, I I like to think we have a lot of fun. So so tell me about this, this new gal in your life. How did, I mean, that's pretty special of her to take on the grief as well. Yeah. Yeah. Her name is Sammy and my dad, my dad, I look up to my dad a lot and he's a smart guy. And another reason why I want to be a grief counselor, therapist guy, whatever. But my dad told me, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you're going to date again and hopefully you fall in love again. But he's like, it's probably going to be someone who's fucked up because you're really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad didn't use the F word. He'd never say that, but I like to say that. But. <laughs> So he's right, like, and you know, I'm not going to go into Sammy's stuff, but she's been through a lot, and I think that that bonds us together. And she understands that I'm always going to love Courtney, but I can still love her, and it's just different things. And what really has helped me with Sammy is she, her relationship with Blue, is just like. Yeah, like really good. And that makes Blue really likes her. So that makes makes it easy on me. But yeah, we're we're doing good together. So which probably means something terrible will happen soon. No. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> we talked a little bit about I love the fact you're taking your son dirt biking. Um my son started we put him on a motorcycle right around five or six, and he ended up taking it to the highest level. He turned semi-pro and in fact all the guys that he used to no um, all the guys he used to race are now on the pros um and you know he used to ride with people like chase sexton and Derek drake and you know that that was his group and and then he went pro mountain biking which he would go to st george visiting my 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 brother-in-law has a place out there we talked about and there's a lot of good mountain bike trails out there and he ended up racing for factory giant and uh so but it, the one thing the two wheel community did was, you know, um, it brought him out of his shell and, it, and it, it teaches you fear on a different level of how to handle things. And, and, you know, people will go, why are you, you're crazy to put your kid on the motorcycle or a bike? And isn't it dangerous? And I go, well, isn't football dangerous? Isn't, you know, isn't life dangerous? And, you know, what, what do you, what, what's it going to do? You know, you, it teaches you so many things. So I commend you for, for getting out there and, and, uh, All right, I think. No, yeah, I think dirt bikes are great for that. And one wheeling is great for yeah. that. And, and I, I ask Blue three questions every night when we go to bed. And one of the questions I ask him is, what do you do when you fall down? And he says, you get back up. And I that's my favorite part of dirt biking is when he wrecks on the dirt bike or he wrecks on the one wheel. And it hurts, mm-hmm. but he gets back up and he tries it again. And And on those days, when we go to bed that night, I always commend him on it. Like, remember today when you fell on the one wheel or your dirt bike, what did you do? And he's like, I got back up. So yeah, I love, I love skateboarding. I think skateboarding, one wheeling, all that stuff for kids, man, is, are they, yeah, they're, they might get hurt. No, they are. They're going to get hurt. (laughs) Like, that's right. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. So Mason, we're going to dive into a fun 
part of the program, but it's going to require you to be on your toes and answer quick and concise. It's our rapid fire questions. And oh, God. we have five of them for you. And when you're, you're ready, tell me. I'm ready. ready? Oh, I got his head on backwards. Oh, man. Here we go. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. All right. Here we go. Question number one. What is your morning mantra that gets your ass out of bed each day? I read stoic quotes and my son blue. Oh, that's fantastic. Was that quick that was That was actually pretty impressive <laughs> because we end up, we end up having conversations about most people's answers because there's, <laughs> but this was great, man. <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm not like, I'm not a big routine guy anymore. It's just, I'm, one thing with trauma is it's just you're just it's a roller coaster, and so yeah. I'm all over the place. But I I usually try to do some stoic quotes, and then blues usually waking me up doing some. That's awesome. What tip do you have that has turned your quiet house into a gift instead of a curse, dude? I think I think talking about mm. it. I think and I think that's true in a lot of different scenarios in our life like when we don't talk about Mm -hmm. things like when we keep those demons in the dark they're demons Mm -hmm. man but if you just show some light on Mm -hmm. them if you just put them in the light yeah Yeah. they kind of like i don't know by exposing it they kind of become like on your team like i don't know it like flips the whole thing if you just talk if you own up to it you're just on you're doing good so far I'm sorry. Yeah, that's great. Question number three. What's one thing about you even your close friends would be surprised to hear about? I have a nervous tick. I will pluck my nose hairs when I'm nervous. <laughs> very embarrassed. Very embarrassed about that's that. That's awesome. But now that I'm exposed, <laughs> what are you going to do? Tell me I pick nose hairs? I know I pick my nose hairs. <laughs> You know, the best thing is, you must not be nervous. I haven't seen you picking those hair yet. Yes, you haven't done it once yet. There you go. There it is. That was nasty, dude. You might want to edit that. No, we're keeping that. We're keep- That's a beautiful. That might be the best answer we've had all, well, I was going to say all year, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty open book. People know most things about me. Yeah. I like that uh, one. Well, let's just stick to that one. That was good. All right. Yeah. I'm ready for the next one? Yeah. All right. If there was a film or a movie out in your life, who would you want to play you? Brad Pitt. What? You didn't even hesitate. <laughs> big movie guy. I'm a big movie oh, really? guy. That's so fantastic. But like, but Fight Club, Brad Pitt. Yeah. Wasn't that great? I'd like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, really I'm kind of that same fun line. You know, I got to ask you, you know, social media is, is 
especially since the pandemic has blossomed up and everybody wants to put out there their perfect life and everybody thinks that their life is perfect. And, you know, I had the perfect vacation, I had the perfect family, perfect this, and that's not reality. And then we had a guest on, in fact, our last week to show that said a lot of people will put stuff on there, even when they're, and Dr. Spencer brought it up, even when they're trying to show reality, they're still putting it out there to, to, for themselves to be liked, you know, what's your thoughts of how to be more authentic in 2024? Dude, like I just, yeah, I don't even, I, I don't really care about like with my podcast. I have no idea how many people listen to be honest with you. I think it's, I don't know. I don't even know. And I just, Okay, let me. Um, I did a every Wednesday on the 1090 Instagram. We do a would you rather question, and oh, that's cool. they're all over the place. Sometimes they're serious, sometimes they're completely kidding. It's just whatever. Did one yesterday, it was about like, does everything happen for a reason or not? Type of thing. Anyway, I offended some people, and this one person messaged me being offended, and I and I just said, sorry. We like to have tough conversations. You're more than welcome to unfollow us. Wish you nothing but the best. Like, I'd rather have 20 solid listeners that are plugged in, like 1090 episodes, than 2,000, like, whatever. That's just that's just kind of who I am. Like, I don't, I don't even know if I understand your question, dude. I'm sorry, but I don't. No, he did. I'm, I could delete Instagram. And be fine. Okay. But then I'm, but then I'm like, you got to help people. You got to play the like. If I want to get my story out and help people, then I got to post the vid. It's just like it's a weird. It's the yin and the yeah. yang, you know. Yeah. So, and dude, then I have a lot of guilt about it too, like because I get paid for public speaking, and I. I don't like getting paid. Like I feel bad about it, but I can't just go out of town for three days and not get, like, I need to get paid. So I, I really struggling with that, which is another reason of maybe I just become a grief therapist and I just kind of leave that behind. But I don't know. Just no one's better or worse than anyone. No, I don't understand that thought process, which is weird coming from me because I was a raw, raw basketball win at all costs type of guy for a long time, but you're the only you and there's no one else that has your experience and you can take that idea and be a coward with it and be like, no one understands me. I'm the only me. So no one, no one can tell me what to do. You can't hold me accountable. I'm just me. Or you can take that idea and really do something positive with it and, and, and not worrying about judging your, or comparing yourself to others and that type of game that people get into. But you're, I mean, just be you. And, and I, I, it's weird because I think m me being honest and open and not caring about getting listeners and viewers has actually gotten me yeah. uh, listeners and viewers. So it's yeah. kind of weird how that worked. Like I just never, I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. So Mason, before I, we, I appreciate your, your, your authentic answers. And before we sign off, I got to ask you, tell me a, 
a, a, give us a what would you rather do question that you um, you've thrown out there. One of your favorite ones. You want a would you rather? Or would you rather? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to say this is my favorite one, but I like this one because there's lots of follow up questions involved, which makes it yeah. fun. Okay, you can have. Would you rather have ten million dollars, but it's all pennies, and if you want to buy anything, you have to hand roll the pennies. You can't get a machine to do it. You can't hire people to do it. Wow, they're pennies. Or you get two million dollars any way you want it. Wow, cash check. However you want. How do you come up with these things? <laughs> How did that? I am. Yeah, I, was, I was a college basketball player, so on road trips, I would play Would You Rather with my team. Wow. I would just ask him, Would You Rather? All day. Those are great. Well, you got to give me an yeah, answer. Yeah, guys. Give an answer. I'm thinking. Oh, I think uh, I could turn. Tro- I could. T- I'll take the ten mil. I mean, excuse me. I'll take the two mil and I'll turn it into ten mil, but. I'll take the two million, and then uh, deal with it that way. Doctor Terry, what about you? I had the exact same thought as my buddy here. I was I I would rather take the two million in any way and invest it to gain that ten million than have to sit there and roll up a bunch of pennies and then take it to the bank to invest it. I think I think I think I can roll the two million better into a ten million thing than I would having to sit there and roll. I don't have that kind of time. I think it, the t- time it would take yeah. to roll $10 million. I'd rather take that time and, and be smarter with a $2 million investment. Mason, you got an answer? I, I'd definitely rather take the $2 million. It's funny, though, because I asked that one on our 1090 Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was hilarious. We were peop- like we had people messaging in like they were – mathematically breaking it down like it takes you a minute to roll pennies so it's going to take you this like people are getting into it like uh, it was it was a it was a good would you rather but yeah i'm picking i'm picking the two million honestly i'd rather have 20 bucks i'm not rolling that's a that's a death sentence (laughs) that's terrible I'd rather have money. Like, no. Do you know how much ten million in pennies would weigh? It would take up two. It would take even, up a house. So many people are quick, and they'll take the ten million because it's ten, like it's ten million compared to two. And then, like, when you talk it through, they're like, uh, "Yeah, that's a good one." Dave, you know what? Dave, what would you do? Oh no, I'd take I'd, I'd take the two million. Oh, you're in. All right, because you're talking about one billion pennies. Oh, yeah. is that right? Is, is that, that what it is? I see it. Yeah. That's a billion pennies, you know? A hundred. Like, there's a hundred pennies in a dollar, and that's $10 million. I, I think at, like, that, at okay. that point, $10 million worth of pennies, I don't think that's worth $10 million. No. No. Makes a movie. What about this? What about this idea, though? Because you can't hire, you can't hire anyone to help you, but what if, like... What if, like, you open up a shop or whatever, and like, I'll just give you a bag of like all these pennies for ten bucks. Like, you give them a hundred dollars, and you kind of like maybe you could do something like that. 
That's probably your best. Or, or I got another one. How much, if you had $10 million in pennies, how much is the copper worth? Because actually it might be worth more than $10 million. You melt it down. You no, know, you're like melt it down, maybe. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Because it actually might be worth more than $10 million of copper. That's, I have never thought wow. of that. Uh, I think I think we need to take this question to a other podcast guest <laughs> and, and then compile a montage of answers. For yeah. Mason I think I think we need to have we have a show of just a, a podcast just of what we yeah you know, I think this is brilliant. I am going to you know it, with your permission on camera. I'm going to steal this for a yeah. possible rapid fire yeah. questions down the road yeah. to have a what would you rather? Ooh, yeah, that that is a good one. Well, you, yeah. you give me permission since I got it from you. Absolutely. Awesome. You know what? On that, we're going to wrap this up. But, you know, I, I love the, I love this show because we, we've met the best people and yeah. have become our, our Krakenbacks family. And um, and now that we have a, you know, a Division One center that is also part of our podcast family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the biggest damn rainbow and shoving as far up I can get. (laughs) But you know what? Uh, One last shout out to Gary George. He hit another home run. Thank you very much. And Mason, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And I I appreciate your authenticity. I appreciate your message that you shared. Um, We have a, Spencer and I have some personal friends that are going through some pretty tough times right now with loss of loved ones. And we're hoping that, that your, your uh, words land on their ears and maybe have them get out of, get out and, and start moving a little bit more. So we appreciate your, everything you're doing. Um, it doesn't get easier, but you, you move on anyway. And that's what sports are all about. That's what we do all about. So thank you for your time and your energy, man. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mason. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kraken Backs podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Kraken Backs Podcast. Catch new episodes every Monday. See you next time.